the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. She did it again. Yes, we've been handing out the award for about two years now, and it doesn't get any easier to uh, to settle on just one person, you know, with what's going on lately. But it is Friday, and nobody said it was going to be easy. And now it's time for the Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Yeah, crime is on the upswing in cities across America, especially in New York City, and there are lots of theories about why, but Sandy Cortez, after her usual in-depth study and brilliant analysis, came up with the answer. So why is this uptick in crime happening? Well, let's think about it. Do we think this has to do with the fact that there's record unemployment in the United States right now? The fact that people are at a level of economic desperation that we have not seen since the Great Recession. Maybe this has to do with the fact that people aren't paying their rent and are scared to pay their rent. And so they go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have money. So you maybe have to, they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night. Um, Maybe it's the fact that unemployment provisions have not been given to everyone. Maybe it's because of the fact that People have some people still haven't gotten their stimulus checks yet. Yeah, that's right. It's bread. Uh, that's why, as Mike Huckabee tweeted a couple of days ago, we see all those pictures of looters running out of bakeries with uh, loaves of bread under their arms. They're going in for the bread, not TVs and uh, shoes, but uh, bread. Maybe the National Guard should be called out and put on a bakery watch. But uh, she's the gift that keeps on giving, and that's why Congresswoman Sandy Cortez is also a favorite to keep on getting the Windows R Us Jerk of the Week Award. The Jerk of the Week is brought to you by Windows R Us, Pittsburgh's premier exterior replacement company. Expert repair and replacement for windows, roofs, siding, doors, gutters, and downspouts. Why pay double? Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. And speaking of jerks, uh, the Washington former Redskins apparently led the NFL in that category. Some of them have either quit or retired in the last few days because of a huge story in the Washington Post about sexual harassment. Fifteen women uh, made the accusations, and now people are saying it's time for the owner, Daniel Snyder, to go. Coming up at 5.30, we will talk to Des Blyer, Beeler, I'm sorry, Des Beeler, a sports reporter at the Washington Post. But before we do that, coming up after this break, we're going to talk about something called whiteness phobia with daniel greenfield of frontpagemag.com it's very scary but please stick around we're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days windows are us pittsburgh is no different this is john steigerwald when it comes to working around your home windows are us remains committed to the safety of you and your family for roofs gutters and downspouts siding and of course windows Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. In small business, competition can be brutal. Over 90% of your potential customers read online reviews before buying. If your company's online reputation doesn't reflect how your customers feel about your business, then your competitor is getting the sale. If you're going to win the battle, you have to manage your company's online reputation. 
Reviews911.net wants to offer you a free trial of our online reviews management platform that you can have up and running in about five minutes. You'll learn how to replace bad reviews with good ones and how current reviews can make you show up at the top of local search results. Improve your customer's brand experience and get more reviews on the sites that matter most, like Google, Yelp, Facebook, and all the rest, so that new customers will find you first. Win the small business slugfest when you text WIN to 411411. Reviews 9 911.net. Text the word WIN to 411411 to get your free trial today. Text WIN to 411411. Text WIN to 411411. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal, and families are getting out to shops, stores, and restaurants. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Business recovery plans should be ready to go right now. The marketing team at Salem Surround is ready to help, so you don't waste a minute or a dollar recapturing market share. We'll help design your recovery plan targeting potential customers with proven marketing strategies. With everything in our toolkit working for you. Digital, audio, mobile, even audience-engaging contests and promotions. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital marketing plan. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Traveling internationally may not have been a priority for you in recent weeks. But as our country and others around the world start to reopen, we're confident it will be safe to travel to the Holy Land this December. Israel has already reopened to the public while maintaining safe social distancing. In fact, an independent organization recently rated Israel as the number one country on its COVID-19 safety ranking. There is no better time than now to sign up to join Dr. Sebastian Gorka and Mike Lindell from MyPillow on the Stand with Israel tour this December 2nd through 11th. Visit the answer pgh.com keyword israel to register seize the moment to celebrate life freedom and your faith by signing up to visit the inspiring holy land here's the best part if for any reason you can't go cancel without a penalty between now and august 14th reserve your spot today and travel to israel this december with dr sebastian gorka and mike lindell visit the answer pgh.com keyword israel Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but there seems to be a little bit of uh, friction between uh, blacks and whites these days. And uh, it seems to be getting worse. Uh, And it seems to be that uh, white people almost are put in a position of having to apologize for being white um and uh there's something out there according to uh daniel greenfield of the uh, uh frontpagemag.com called whiteness phobia uh daniel thanks for being here thank you so much for having me on so what exactly is uh whiteness phobia so we went from being opposed to racism which is an idea that everybody understands to uh, having a bunch of people lecturing us about the dangers of whiteness, which they define as pretty much being white or being on time. You can be black, and if you're on time, if you go to college, if you work hard, that apparently means you're also suffering from whiteness. Yeah, I, I saw a, um, uh, a, a, char- a company that runs uh, charter schools. They got rid of their slogan, which was... Uh, uh, Play nice, uh, work work hard, be nice, and they said it was a little too white, so they got rid of it. Yeah, this is uh, this is not exactly doing anybody any favors. No, but at the same time, you've got people who are in the business of selling diversity training to companies, and so their business model is to always blame the company for the lack of diversity. So. They just start inventing these completely impossible, unworkable environments in which people don't come on time, which people don't work hard, in which they don't plan for the future, and then, of course, blame the company for having unrealistic expectations like those. And when did this uh, start to become a problem? I mean, this the, the uh, whiteness is a kind of a new word for me. I mean, it's uh, it's it's I think it's relatively new. At least it seems to me. 
It is a new word. It goes back to critical race theory, which is a very radical Marxist idea. And instead of talking about racism and tolerance, which were, you know, we grew up with, which normal Americans understand, they began talking about blackness and whiteness and anti-blackness and anti-whiteness uh, because they started defining racism as being white and not being racist as being black, which, is, of course, is the complete reversal, but it also means that black people, by definition, can't be racist, and it means that white people, by definition, are racist. When you look at books like White Fragility, that's a, which is very popular among um, corporate trainers and people on the left, they actually are saying that literally there's no such thing as a good white identity. White, white, whiteness is itself racist and evil. Yeah, and, and um, the the... The way it works is that if you are a white person and, and you protest about it or you try to defend yourself, much less white people in general, then you must be a racist. That's exactly it. But really at this point, even if you're a white person and you work hard and show up on time, you must be a racist. <laughs> um, and you say that uh, you don't have to be white to be part of the problem. Of course not. So their idea is that whiteness is a culture, and it includes things like, as we discussed, showing up to work on time, working hard, planning for the future. So if you're a black person, you're an Asian person, you're a minority who does these things, well, then clearly you're suffering from whiteness. And the African-American Museum of History had its own list, which includes um, having a two-parent family that's whiteness. And... Um, Believing that the past matters is also whiteness. So pretty much anything that's positive, anything that's good, they define as whiteness. Well, who, who is they? I mean, who gets to make this definition? And, and, and where is it coming from? I mean, it's so uh, widespread now. It's everywhere. And um, who, who decided that they were in charge of deciding what was, uh, what was too white well, of course, white people decided it, literally. Uh, some of the most popular people pushing this stuff, uh, Robin DiAngelo, um, Dr. Katz, are very much white people. Uh, a lot of this came out of college campuses, like every bit of craziness. Um, academia helped inspire this stuff. It was turning around in the 80s and the 90s and the aughts, but now it really hit the big time because with the riots that we're seeing with the Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of the stuff is now suddenly being mainstreamed, and people are just waking up, looking around what in the world is going on. And uh, what is institutional whiteness? Well, much like um, any other kind of whiteness, the idea is if an institution has certain values that they consider to be white, that institution is suffering from institutionalized whiteness, which can and does mean absolutely anything. It can mean that there are just too many white people working there. It can mean... Um, when it comes to science, it means that uh, they believe in objectivity. They believe in cause and effect. Um, when it comes to art they believe, or architecture, they believe that um, the work of European artists, Western artists, actually matters. Uh, you write in your piece, uh, you quote uh, Psychology Today, an article that claims, quote, the concept of whiteness was imported from Spain and Portugal. Who knew? Yeah, apparently Latinos were the original white people. That's what the, that's what psychology today came up with. They're coming up with exciting new ideas all the time, excitingly insane new ideas. Yeah, and and you say that the Atlantic uh, worries that quote Asians and Latinos could begin to vanish into whiteness. The horror of that. Yeah, I mean if they're defining hard work, um, integrity. As being whiteness, then pretty much a whole bunch of minorities who are working hard, anybody from any race who's working hard, can be accused of whiteness at any time. Yeah, you're, the, the headline of your piece, and we're talking to Daniel Greenfield of FrontPageMag.com, um, the headline of your piece is The Minority Victims of Whiteness Phobia. So who, who are, the, who are the, the, the minorities who are most victimized by this? Yeah, anybody who's a minority who's trying to work hard, who's trying to get ahead, uh, they're going to be accused of, a few years ago, they're being accused of middle classness. Um, for example, Black Lives Matter's leadership uh, calls themselves trained Marxists. Um, they're openly saying that they're attacking capitalism. And really the cheat sheet for a lot of this stuff is if you go back uh, 25, 30 years, all the stuff that was being treated as bourgeois, 
or bougie today, and that derogatory Marxist term, that's what whiteness means. It pretty much means anybody who's trying to um, make, a, make a decent living, trying to work hard, trying to get ahead. And is this uh, rampant on college campuses? Is that where we find most uh, of this uh, philosophy? And is that, maybe so maybe the better way to say campuses. it is, is that where it came from? Yeah, it's absolutely came out of the college campus. Uh, they spread it at this point that taken over most campuses, and the purges there are happening on a very regular basis. From there, it spread into organizations, especially the media, and then it spread over to corporations because a whole bunch of corporations had been spending money on diversity training. So these guys absolutely took over the diversity training field, which means that uh, employees of major corporations are being told about things like white fragility and whiteness and institutionalized and systemic racism instead of actually um, about how to advance shareholder value. And here's some other things in your piece that you point out are, uh, I guess, uh, uncomfortably white. Um, well, the London Olympics apparently are, are, uh, are a problem. The velodrome of yeah, whiteness. Yeah, a Canadian curling apparently is a major whiteness problem. Who yeah, knew? And, 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 and curling. I, I can't think of, I mean, I hate to uh, agree with them in some ways. I can't think of anything, uh, any sport that's more of a white sport than curling. But apparently uh, the people who are involved in curling uh, are also uh, trying to, I guess, I don't know, attract more black curlers. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, you know, what the problem is, but that's another uh, uh, point that you make is that uh, curling is trying to, I guess, make up for their whiteness, apologize for it or accommodate. Uh, I don't know. What, what are they doing? Um, they're trying to figure out a way to attract more minorities to curling, which is, you know, not exactly the most popular sport in the world. And, of course, they're, they hire diversity experts to tell them that they're too white, and that's no problem. They've got bagpipes hanging in clubs, and they've got um, other stuff that just embodies whiteness. And there's a new piece in the New York Times, actually, which claims that the problem with classical music is it's not diverse enough because it's too classical. You know, you have to get rid of the classical part and embrace new forms, at which point there wouldn't be classical music. Now, Daniel, this stuff is all so, every, I mean, most people, I, you would think that, that this would seem just totally ridiculous to most people with any intelligence. Um, but it's out there being you, promoted. You and, and Yeah, but it's not. And so is is this... Is this one of those things that um, because the media play it up and media focus on it, that you, we might get the impression that it's more of a thing than it actually is, that the average person walking around, uh, no matter what color, is just not thinking about stuff like this? I don't think the average person is thinking about this. The average person isn't thinking about political things on a regular basis. But when it comes to um, powerful institutions, organizations, major Fortune 500 corporations, um, huge colleges, um, the media, national media itself, uh, they're pushing this. So it's being advanced at the top, and it's going to filter its way down, 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 and it gets into regular people's lives. I mean, most of the political craziness that we deal with uh they, st they started out somewhere at the top. They started out somewhere on a college campus, and then they filtered down, which is the problem. The problem is that our society, America, used to be much more bottom-up, used to be about mm -hmm. the local community. It's now increasingly top-down. It's, what, it's whatever comes out of Washington, D.C. or New York City or California, and then it ends up uh, all over the country. And, and can a white person shed his whiteness? Well, Rachel Dolezal, if you remember the yeah, NASP yeah. president who pretended to be black for quite a while, uh, yes, certainly made a very tried. good effort. But apparently the proper way for a white person to shed his whiteness is to continually apologize for it um, and re express regret and express shame and rant about how evil white people are. I don't think that entirely makes them non-white, but it allows them to at least redirect it. Uh, and uh you know we've we've heard about um kids black kids in school who maybe are are uh, i guess called nerds or what 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 they would i guess that's a, a word that, that could be used to describe them but they are uh have been accused of acting white and this is an extension of that 
Yeah, Barack Obama said it on multiple occasions when he was running for office, when he was in office, that having a book shouldn't uh, have black men with a book shouldn't be accused of acting white, and that this is a real problem. Um, other people who are successful black people who came through the system have spoken about it, uh, but now instead of actually um, opposing that, instead of actually saying uh, having a book is a good thing, they're now doubling down on this idea that having a book is actually whiteness. We're talking to David Greenfield. Uh, he wrote a piece for FrontPageMag.com, the headline, The Minority Victims of Whiteness Phobia. So we do have a new phobia out there. So, uh, David, how far, or, uh, Daniel, how far can this go before people realize how ridiculous it is, or, or are we only at the beginning of this? Is it just, are we just seeing the beginning of this insanity, and it's going to get worse? <laughs> You know, that's up to people. I think some of this is starting to jump the shark. It's starting to go overboard. Uh, but people have to start pushing back against it, and they have to stop taking a lot of this stuff seriously because it very much plays on guilt. It very much plays up on the idea that our country is fundamentally broken, that black and white people can't get along, that everybody is divided, that everybody is angry. Um, and really, it's up to people to actually create a reality where it's not that way because otherwise... Uh, it creates opportunities for guys who exploit that, who come in and say, well, yes, we're going to charge you a hundred thousand, your company a hundred thousand dollars to teach them how to practice diversity. And this is the result. And it seems like some kind of backlash is inevitable here at some point. If there's it hasn't started already. Backlash, uh, there's definitely growing pushback. I mean, the fact that we're talking about it shows that it's there. Yeah. Um, and you finish your piece by saying whiteness phobia punishes any impulse toward unification. Color blindness is one of its greatest sins. Integration is is a conspiracy to bring minorities into whiteness, and those minorities who don't hate are accused of centering whiteness, institutionalizing whiteness, or other synonyms for acting white. Uh, that's a pretty good uh, point and, and, and kind of a scary uh, proposition there. Yeah, a lot of this is, as I mentioned, turning against minorities. You have Terry Crews, who's been attacked repeatedly yeah. for um, saying that we should love each other, that we should actually pursue equality for everybody. Uh, anybody who actually talks about how we can get along better is being attacked because the point isn't to discuss how we can get along. The point is to discuss how divided we are and, how, and who to blame for it. Yeah, I had a, a black guy who I've been uh, communicating with on Twitter for years, we are very friendly on Twitter. I don't know the guy personally, uh, but uh, he's very much, um, uh, well, he's very much of a Democrat. Let's put it that way. But uh, when I bring up someone like Thomas Sowell, he, ref he says he's a step and fetch it. That, that, and this guy's an intelligent guy. He looks at step, he, he says, black people think Thomas Sowell's a jackass. Um, that's, that's just scary to me that, that he would be dismissed, but it's out there. It's unfortunately out there. A lot of people are being told. I mean, that's the Joe Biden saying that a black person who votes for a Republican isn't really black. Uh, right. This is the idea that a lot of people are being indoctrinated with. Uh, but Democrats are being indoctrinated with both black and white Democrats. And it's a very ugly and unfortunate situation. You know, you've had accounts uh, from black police officers who are on the front lines of these protests of just having slurs like that hurled at them, not by black people, but actually by white people. Uh, which is a very bizarre situation because you yeah, have people at rallies that are supposed to be against racism, white people are hurling racial slurs at black police officers. And I only have about a minute left, uh, Daniel. Um, what can the Republicans do about this? I mean, politically, what, what's the, what's the uh, uh, solution to it, or is there one? Well, for starters, a bunch of the stuff is actually a civil rights violation. I mean, we, ha we had a pretty clear crackdown on segregation, on teaching hatred, and this is pretty straightforwardly racial material. It uh, exclusively targets a particular race and blames that race. So a lot of this is, first of all, a civil rights violation. And second of all, Republicans really need to stop panicking about the situation. The country isn't broken. We don't have a fundamental racial problem. And actually, that should be the message instead of running and panicking and trying to fix a problem that doesn't exist. Because when you start focusing Daniel. on fixing problems that don't exist. Thank you, Daniel. Very good. Thank you. I'm out of time. Thanks for being here. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. California Governor Gavin Newsom has laid out strict criteria for school reopenings that make it unlikely the vast majority of districts will have classroom instruction in the fall as the coronavirus pandemic surges. Newsom's new guidance mandates that 
Public schools in California counties that are on a monitoring list for rising coronavirus infections cannot hold in-person classes and will have to meet strict criteria for reopening. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, while suggesting people mask up, is not mandating it. He says local mask mandates, like one in Atlanta, cannot be enforced and devastate businesses. Supreme Court Chief Justice Ruth Ginsburg says she's undergoing treatment for a recurrence of liver cancer. She's undergoing chemotherapy due to the recurrence since May. On Wall Street, the Dow dropped 62 points today. This is SRN News. This is the entertainment answer. Looking for that perfect streaming outlet for your family? Well, the easy answer is there's not one. Hulu, Netflix, Prime, Disney Plus, all of these have lots to offer, and the key is finding what best fits your family's needs. Disney has Marvel, Star Wars, and all those great animated classics, while Netflix has some of the best original content out there. You can't beat Hulu for variety from the world of television and films. With a little digging, you can find the one that is right for you and your family. For this entertainment answer, I'm Matt Mungle. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's Home Advisor. Home Advisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. Mike Gallagher wants someone to check his math. U.S. Daily Numbers via COVID-19 tracking project. Two days ago, 476 deaths. Yesterday, 327. And I'm stupid enough to look at the death rate going down thinking, boy, that looks pretty good to me. Maybe I don't know how to read numbers. The Mike Gallagher Show. Weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The answer. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years' experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. The Answer Pittsburgh celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at TheAnswerPGH.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. Is there a story in you today? Have you felt the tug of God on your heart to write those words in a book? Join us now at ChristianAuthors.com to find out how we can help you heed your call to publish. They're the largest, most experienced Christian self-publisher in the world. Thousands of people just like you, from pastors to professors, stay-at-home parents to entrepreneurs, tell their stories. Ready to learn more? Visit ChristianAuthors.com for your free guide to Christian publishing today and reach the world with your testimony. ChristianAuthors.com AM 1250 and FM 92.5 The Answer WPGP Pittsburgh A division of Salem Media Group Listen on The Answer mobile app Smart speakers Tune in iHeart or Radio.com Stuck in traffic? We've got The Answer We're all tied up on the outbound Parkway East Bates Street to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel That's about a 7 minute delay Also on the inbound side An extra 7 minutes Britain Road overpass into the tunnel. We're also looking busy on the inbound side as you approach the Fort Pitt Bridge on the Parkway West. Just a little bit of slowing into the Fort Pitt Tunnel. And we also have some construction continuing on 837 Carson Street between 3rd and 9th Street. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Partial clouds for tonight, low 66. Sunny, hot, and humid on Saturday. High tomorrow, 92. Saturday night, cloudy and humid, low 71. Sunday, partial sun. Watch for a thunderstorm in the afternoon. High 92. 
Monday, variable clouds with a shower or thunderstorm. Humid with a high 90. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, up until yesterday, the big story about the Washington former Redskins was that they had finally decided to change their name, but then the Washington Post broke a story that included the testimony from 15 women who worked for the Redskins and claimed to be the victims of sexual harassment on the job. Des Beeler is a sports reporter at the Washington Post. He joins us now. Des, thanks for being here. Sure, thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, a bit of a week for the Redskins, or I should say the former Redskins. Absolutely. <laughs> this was a very in-depth story uh, that reads like one that required a lot of work. Was it in the works long before the name change thing popped up the last week or so? A story like this, and I should explain that uh, I I was not I didn't directly contribute to it, uh, but um, I you know being in the sports section and being on Slack and so forth, uh, I, I can yeah. tell you that story was in the works for, for quite a while. You don't get this many people to talk to you, and obviously there were attempts made um, to interview as many women as possible. But uh, what we know from the story is that one woman has spoke on the record. Her name is Emily Applegate. She's a former marketing coordinator there. 14 mm-hmm. other women um, spoke anonymously, and at least a few of them indicated that they were doing so because they had signed non-disclosure agreements with the, with the team. Um, yeah. And then we also have another woman who was a former press secretary in the Clinton administration and briefly worked with the Redskins um, in their communications department, who said she herself was not uh, victimized by inappropriate behavior, but she was made uh, painfully aware while she was there that there was a a, uh, an appalling sort of culture, you might say, like she, she went as far as to say that. And then we also know in part of the fallout from the story that uh, Christine Brennan, who was a uh, Washington Post uh, Redskins reporter like 30 years ago, and has since got on to be a columnist for USA Today, uh, provided her own anecdote about years ago being uh, spoken to very inappropriately by a uh, male executive with the Redskins. And this is some time ago before the timeline of our story, which is basically from 2006 to, two, to 2019. So covering many years in this organization. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, it would be pretty difficult for Schneider to portray himself as completely unaware that anything was happening, especially when you look at the fact that, like, as I mentioned, there were, there were non-disclosure agreements signed. You think he would have had to know a little bit about that. There was a cheerleading scandal in 2018. He certainly would have had to know about that. And then a reporter, and I didn't even get to that, who's also mentioned the story for the athletic had uh, a team executive come up to her at a restaurant and behave in extremely inappropriate manner. And she filed a complaint with the team. So, uh, Dan Snyder owns the team, must have had some inclination that, that things were amiss within his organization, but it took him up, up, up until now, apparently, to um, decide the, that he needed to do something about it. Yeah, the, uh, so, so how, how uh, long have the Redskins been waiting for this shoe to drop? Have they known it's coming? <laughs> They've had to, right? Well, absolutely. And, you know, it was the, the, the fact that the story was coming out became ultimately one of the worst kept secrets in DC sports. I mean, it was an awful lot of speculation about it, about mm-hmm. what might be in it. Um, and over the course of the week, and then what we saw was earlier in the week, um, two, the two of the people that were named in the story, uh, were fired. And that would be Alex Santos, the former director of pro, pro personnel and Richard Mann, um, both of whom were, alleged to have behaved extremely inappropriately in the story, they were fired. And when they were fired, there was no mention of why, but there was some talk at the time like, hmm, that's interesting. And then the day before our story was published, Larry Michael, the longtime radio announcer for the Redskins, and just someone inextricably linked to that team, really the voice and in many ways the face of the team, uh, resigned. And, you know, you think normally when somebody with that kind of history with the team resigns, that the, the team would say something and, you know, uh, offer some kind words and there was absolutely no comment from the team. So you knew... Uh, he was likely implicated in this as well, and sure enough, in, as the story goes on to say, uh, there, there were many complaints about him over the years as well. Uh, we're talking to Des Beeler. He's a sports reporter at the Washington Post. The story is out about uh, 15, William, uh, 15 women accusing um, uh, the Washington Redskins of uh, various, not the te- players, but the, uh, the management side of uh, and coaches and scouts, but not players, uh, of sexual harassment. Um, Rhiannon Walker of the uh, Athletic wrote a first-hand account of her experiences with, uh, you mentioned him, uh, Alex uh, Santos, who was fired. Uh, From her description, it would seem like everybody would have known what this guy was like. Um, Was there any talk about that among the media? I mean, you're down there uh, covering sports. (laughs) This guy's been there a while. I mean, I covered uh, the Steelers for a long time, so I know 
you know, that you've just been hanging around, you, you pick up things. Was it well known that this guy had an issue? I can't speak to that directly. Uh, I don't cover the Redskins personally, um, and I'm not at the I'm not at their uh, headquarters very often. I can say that you know, there's when you're in the business that we're in, it's it's a business of fact gathering for the most part, and you can, it's possible to hear things, but it's mostly just sort of scuttlebutt. And but you can't really report on it unless you kind of have the goods, unless you have somebody either willing to go on the record or speak anonymously. Um, and it's difficult. You know, one of the things that's very difficult for somebody like you mentioned, Rhiannon Walker, and there was another female reporter uh, who also was propositioned by Santos, you know, and these poor women, I mean, these female reporters, you know, they've, they've, they have all sorts of stories about it. And we've seen from the Me Too movement. I mean, it's so difficult because as I said, your, your job is to try to get information. And something like Alex Santos, the director of pro personnel for NFL team would be exactly the kind of source you normally you'd want to have. You'd want to cultivate a relationship with somebody like that. So when they come up, and behave extremely inappropriately, it puts these reporters in a very, very difficult position because you, you might want to tell them that just to stuff it, but you know you have to, or there's a, there's also another instinct to kind of play it off as best you can because you don't you know you don't want to burn any bridges there. You might want to have to go back to that person if you hear something and text them and say, hey, you know, what can you tell me about this? So you want to sort of keep that, keep, but you want to, obviously you want that relationship to be as professional as possible, and it was clear that. Um, Santos and other executives with the Redskins went way over the line in that regard, not only with reporters, but in particular with, with their own female employees. So obviously a, a very toxic culture there. And Dan Snyder has put a statement out about it, uh, but it's, it's sort of the very lawyered statement that doesn't really take a lot of personal accountability. And I just wonder at what point is he going to step up to the plate, A, and you know do an interview, and B, accept some personal responsibility for this, because we really haven't seen that yet. Yeah, um, and if, the thing is, if it was as rampant as described by the women who worked there, how was it kept so quiet until now? If not quiet, uh, at least um, kept from becoming public. Maybe it wasn't quiet among the people who were close to the situation, but this was all new to me. I'm up here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, I think this is just something that goes on in a lot of workplaces. I wouldn't be shocked in the slightest if it was happening in other NFL teams, but it, it happens in all walks of life, unfortunately, women especially when you work in the lower rungs and you're propositioned by someone who's above you in the organizational flowchart, you're put in a very difficult position. If you complain about it, what kind of, how confident can you be that your complaint will be taken seriously and that will be followed through appropriately and that you won't be retaliated against? You know, I think a lot of these women feel like I'm lucky to have this job. You know, some of them said the story, there are, we were told over and over again, there are a thousand people who would be glad to have your job. So not necessarily just, because, you know, to accept sexual harassment, but just in general, don't complain about your job. Be glad you're here. You know, and you're working at, at an NFL headquarters. I mean, it's pretty glamorous in its own right. I think a lot of these women felt like I just need to put up with this because I don't want to lose my job. And again, you know, it goes to the top. I mean, they have to feel like um, that something's going to happen positively for them if they do complain. I think a lot of women in a lot of workplaces feel like it won't go well for them if they do. It's not worth the trouble. And, and I think that's what you saw here. They, they they didn't want to come forward at the time because they felt like it wouldn't help them. I guess uh, uh, what 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 did occur to me though that that and I, I know I mean I I'm not a woman and I've never been sexually harassed and I so I don't know what that's like. But I I I don't know which woman woman it was, but one of the women uh, talked about leaving sitting at her desk sobbing three or four days a week. I don't know if, if I'm got, if I've gotten to the point where I'm sobbing three or four days a week. I'm either kicking somebody in the groin, or I'm 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 quitting. I'm leaving. Uh, that's not a that's not a. That's, I don't want to work there anymore. So uh, how does somebody? What is what is so great about working for the Washington Redskins that a woman would put up with that for five minutes, much less long periods of time? I, I, you know, I'm not a woman either. I, I don't want to get into the psychology of why yeah, people put yeah. up with Yeah, I mean, it just, it just, it just struck me. It's obviously that, something you know, that does happen. Yeah, it happens in a lot of relationships. It happens in a lot of workplaces. You know, the Redskins are hardly the only place where, you know, I mean, if the Me Too movement has taught us anything, is that this kind of unacceptable behavior is going on all over the place and by people who obviously feel like empowered to do it. They obviously feel like they can get away with it. Um, you know, and, and it's up to the people who set the tone at the workplace to make sure everyone understands we're not going to put up with this sort of thing, and we want you to come forward and tell us about it. You know, we saw that, I think, it, with, the, with the Redskins, there was only one person. They had a one-person HR department for a company that probably had, like, 200 employees. And, you know, another facet of the Redskins is that 
Um, Dan Snyder is very clearly very into sort of personal relationships. I mean, Redskins fans can tell you all about the horrible uh, right-hand men he's had over the years. Basically, essentially, two of them, Vinny Serrato for a while, and then Bruce, the infamous Bruce Allen, who was the person uh, cited in our story as, as seeing the woman crying at her desk and apparently not seeming to react to it very well. Well, these are two people who basically had really good relationships with Dan Snyder uh, and to the point where it didn't seem to matter is that they didn't do their jobs very well. And so when you see that, if you're an employee, you see that the people at the top are largely there because they're on friendly terms with the, the owner. I mean, how, how do you think you're going to feel about maybe bringing a complaint about one of those people when you figure, okay, well, they're tight with the owner, so who, whose side is he going to take here? You know, I think that probably played into it. Yeah, it, it just it, from reading the stories, and I've read more than the Washington Post stories, there's been a couple other ones I've seen now that have come out. Uh, it, they're, they're, they do a great job of describing a place where I wouldn't want to work, a man or a woman. I wouldn't, why would I want to work there? Um, Snyder has not been accused of anything except uh, not being aware of what was going on, but he, he could not have not been aware, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, as I mentioned before, I mean, there, there were incidents that we know of that are, that are on that are on the record. There was the uh, cheerleader episode where one of the people named the story was eventually fired. That was in 2018 after Redskins cheerleaders uh, came out. Some of them came out and said they were made to, you know, at the very least wear skimpy outfits and in some cases appear topless in front of fans, you know, like uh, season ticket holders who were given access to a bikini counter photo shoot. I mean, the whole thing sounded really grotesque. And that was in 2018. So Snyder clearly had to have been aware of that. He had to have been aware of the non-disclosure agreements. He had to have been aware of the complaint by the uh, reporter for The Athletic after uh, Santos approached her. Um, you know, and he also, in, in the story, there are a couple of anecdotes of him treating some underlings really poorly, mocking, the, mocking one of them in particular. Um, and it just seemed like the understanding of, the, of these women was that, yeah, it just kind of flowed down from there. You know, the people below Snyder were mistreated, and they just you know, kind of kept it rolling downhill. So uh, it does sound like there was a pretty awful culture there. But again, you are talking about an NFL team. It's a glamorous place to be. You walk in, you know, you can tell people you're, you're, you work for the Redskins. You probably can maybe go to games or, see, you know, get access in, in ways other people can't for the team. Um, to You know, so there's a, there is something to be said for it. I mean, I can understand why somebody would, in theory, want to work there, all things being equal. But it does, it does from all accounts, appear like the climate there was, was pretty awful. Could could there be more to come on this or other issues uh, now that people have come forward and uh, it's kind of it's out of the bag now that it's a toxic situation? I mean, there certainly could be more to come forward. Uh, obviously, we only had one woman speak on the record for our story. Again, that was Emily Applegate, a former marketing coordinator. Uh, yeah. But again, there were 14 other former employees, and as I mentioned, some of them um, signed, at least some of them signed non-disclosure agreements, but sometimes they can be released from those non-disclosure agreements or climate can change to the point where they might speak out anyway. We've seen some of that happen a little bit in the, in the Me Too movement uh, in other cases. So, yeah, it is possible that more women could come forward. You know, it would kill uh, one of the male employees to come forward and either say, I saw this happen, you know, I, I can attest to the fact that I saw someone engage in really poor behavior or I did it myself and feel awful about it. You know, it would be nice to have some of the men involved in the situation take some accountability, uh, yeah. take accountability themselves and not just Snyder. It would be nice for a man to come up and punch Alex Santos in the mouth when he sees him doing it, too. That, you know, uh, that, that, yeah, he sounds like that, a that's kind of, I mean, okay. how does that go? People are so uh, in fear of losing their job and that they never get another job. It's, uh, it's, it's a shame that they get to that point. I only have about a minute and a half or two left here, uh, and we're talking to Des Beeler of the Washington Post. So Snyder was, uh, the, the owner, Daniel Snyder, was very defiant for a long time about the name change. There's, there's a lot of talk uh, going on now that he should be drummed out of the league. Is he likely to go without a fight? He doesn't strike me as a type who would from afar here. Yeah, I, 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 I think he would not go without a major fight. And I don't think the league is planning on fighting him on it. I think um, our, our reporting right now is indicating that the NFL is probably just fine him and his organization, or, or possibly just the organization. You know, I think there are some parallels in this case to what happened with Mark Cuban, the Dallas Mavericks owner, a couple of years ago. There was a yeah. Sports Illustrated expose on, on some similar behavior, and again, it was all under him. As a Snyder, in that story, Mark Cuban was not directly accused of sexual harassment, but it was people very high up in his organization who were, and so it was a very, very bad look for him. He basically had to acknowledge, I don't know what's happening. I'm appalled by it. Um, he was, uh, I don't think 
I don't think he was punished in any particular way by the NBA. He agreed to make a $10 million contribution to um, some women's organizations. And, of course, he, he gave a much more uh, earnest apology than we've seen from Dan Snyder so far. So it might be it might follow that course with Snyder as well. Much, much as a lot of Redskins, or should I say former Redskins yeah, fans, uh, might wish, might wish Dan, this is what gets Dan Snyder out the door. I, I tend to doubt it will. Last thing, and I have about a minute left. Uh, the team has stunk under Snyder's ownership, uh, uh, wins and losses-wise. Um, and attendance is way down. Some minority owners have said they want out. Is is this? Uh, are the fans, in a strange kind of a way, kind of happy that something like this has happened? Although they, you know, just happy that it, whatever it takes to get this guy out of town and get him out out of the Redskins organization. Uh, yeah, I mean, as I uh, as I mentioned, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of fans, about the majority of Redskins fans, want nothing more than to see Snyder go out the door. I mean, since he bought the team. Uh, in 1999, you've had five winning records, uh, one, one of which was in his first year of ownership, so we don't necessarily count that. They've had four winning records in 20 years. They've just generally been terrible. They've generally been an embarrassment. They've gone through all these different coaches. Um, you know, they keep making these off-season signings. They it just appear sort of directionless. Uh, you know, and unfortunately, I think, because there was so much build-up to the Washington story coming out and speculation about what it might be about, and I think some fans were actually almost disappointed in the content of it, because they were hoping it would be even more incriminating for Snyder and, uh, you know, and make it impossible for him to stay. But I think he will, if he chooses to, be able to weather this. But as you mentioned, his minority partners in the team want to sell, so that's, that's yeah. an unusual situation. And we did see uh, a couple of years ago with the Panthers, Jerry Richardson, who had a yeah. sexual harassment scandal. He was, he was does... forced to sell, but it was a little bit of a different story because he was much older and he was directly involved in that behavior. I'm out of time, Des. I really appreciate you doing this. Give us some insight into that. Thanks a lot for being here. I just want to let you know that this makes anybody who covered the Steelers appreciate the Rooney family a lot. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll be right back. Uncle Tom is a movie that leftist Democrats don't want you to see, which, of course, is one big reason why you should want to see it. Uh, Uncle Tom stars Larry Elder, Candace Owens, Herman Cain, and Brandon Tatum. Now, they all share three things in common. They're courageous, they had a life-changing experience, and they are black conservative Americans. Something else they have in common? Their voices are the ones the leftists don't want you to hear at a time when so many desperately need to hear it. It's their stories of how their lives were changed when they finally figured out the truth. It's the story of black conservatives. In their own voice. You can see Uncle Tom now on pay-per-view. Just go to UncleTom.com and download it. The stories that these courageous people have to tell will shock you. Their journey will amaze you. It's a story of redemption and hope. It's the story of America's black conservatives, and it's the truth. See Uncle Tom now. Just go to UncleTom.com. You've heard all the lies about President Trump. Trump is a racist. Trump is Putin's pet. Here's the truth. Trump is the most effective conservative president that America has had in decades. And every lie they spread about him is targeting you. This is Kurt Schlichter, and my new book is called The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You. It does what no other book does. It knocks down the 21 biggest lies about our president with facts and logic and humor. Trump obstructed justice. Trump hates immigrants. These are big lies. And the reason for the lies is simple. President Trump is the first president in a long time to stand up for the Constitution and for conservative principles. And when the left wants to tear down everything this country stands for, my new book, The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You, explains why this president's courage and common sense are exactly what we need today. This is the most important book of the year. Read it and you'll agree. The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You by me, Kurt Schlichter. Get it wherever books are sold. You all have helped build my pillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to our listeners. You can get great discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. You're going to see some amazing offers. Right now, MyPillow is offering an exclusive radio special. Today, they're offering buy one, get one free on a variety of their amazing products, including the Supima MyPillows, MyPillow towels, roll-and-go anywhere pillows, duvet covers, Giza pillowcases, bolster pillows, and neck pillows. Plus, if you buy Mike Lindell's book, What Are the Odds from Crack 
addict to CEO, you'll get free shipping and a $25 gift card. Just go to MyPillow.com and enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087. Be sure to use promo code STAG. MyPillow is answering the call for more face masks as the country continues to deal with the global coronavirus pandemic. They'll be making face masks for hospitals across the country. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. Genesis 950 with water breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. It can even be used in a carpet cleaning machine. And it's green, so it's safe for your family and pets. Before you purchase new carpets, you must try Genesis 950. It's made in America. One gallon of industrial strength Genesis 950 makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950 is not just for pet stains. It's a disinfectant that kills viruses. It can be used on surfaces and floors by mixing one-third Genesis 950 with two-thirds water. Apply to surface and clean with fresh water. It's great for floors, bathrooms, kitchens, garages, grease stains, wheels, tires, decreasing engines, and upholstery. It's available on Amazon. However, if you order a gallon direct at Genesis 950, 950.com, you'll receive a free spray bottle and discount using code SALEM. That's Genesis950.com. Genesis950.com. Code SALEM. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, just finishing up for the week here. Uh, thanks to Mike and Darren for their help uh, producing the show. And um, uh, I just want to finish up with something on the, on the Washington Redskins story. Um, I got a feeling there's going to be a lot more coming out about that uh, because some of the, more of the women will be coming forward one way or the other. But I've, I've never understood uh, sexual harassment issues uh, getting to the point that they got to down in Washington because I don't I don't get the guys who think that they they are it's okay to get away with it. Number one, and it always seems to be guys who aren't that good looking and shouldn't be thinking that women would be attracted to them who who are harassing the women all the time i don't know i just seem to notice that a lot and uh, i would tell my daughters if, if a man does the stuff that uh, was described in this thing got uh, this story here uh, kick him in the groin and tell him to cut it out uh, and and that's the end of it or quit you just don't put up with it you just don't put up with it there is no dream job that's worth putting up with that you got to have the willingness to walk away so i think that's only the beginning of that story we're going to see a lot more and I don't know how many other pro sports teams could withstand the same kind of scrutiny. We'll talk about it more next week. Thanks for listening. See you Monday. The John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.